Live streaming is on. There's the thing. No live button will just happen. Oh, it just went live. Okay. Well, I guess we're live. So appreciate everybody sticking with me through the technical issues there. We're a little <laughs> bit late, but I'm going to hit the button at some point here when I find my intro. And welcome everybody to uh podcast. So um, this is, uh, I don't know what to call it. It's not the Daily Gun Show, but it is a live conversation. Um, screen sharing here, and I'll just fiddle around so that we can share the uh, YouTube chat on one side of the screen and then uh, see the people that we're chatting with. We're using guntube.org, the chamber over there, does live stream uh, conversation uh, with people over here on YouTube, and then a bunch of people that we invited uh, to talk to tonight. And the topic is dealing with people who are stressed, uh, dealing with panic. And then alternatively, these people all happen to be some of the heaviest hitters in two-way activism. So we'll talk about, if there's time, uh, how we might be able to capitalize or um, exploit some of these situations that are happening right now uh, for the Second Amendment uh, advocacy after all this stuff. So with no further ado, thanks everybody for joining us. Uh, we'll start with the top left. We got Cheryl Todd joining us. I'm just going to go through everybody real quick and then let everybody say hi. So we got Ch Charlie Cook riding shotgun with Charlie. Kingpin joining us in Furnace. Uh, Tony Simon from 2A for E. KD, uh, aiming for the truth. Mike from Walk and Talk America and Cycle Camp. So uh, Cheryl, if you want to introduce, and then we'll just let everybody go through and say, hey, and introduce your projects or... Well, hey, thank you so much for uh, putting this together. I think the topic is so perfect for what's going on right now. And I am Cheryl Todd from Gun Freedom Radio. Uh, I'm also a business owner. I have an auction house, which is uh, put on the ice cubes for a while, called Pot of Gold Estate Auctions. And I have a gun store called AZ Firearms, and it is gangbusters it is like bonkers uh busy right now so i'm glad that at least one business is doing okay uh in all of this madness right on cycle camp you want to say hello hi it's uh, me cycle camp uh i'm just a regular guy uh retired guy uh i'm pretty active in uh advocacy in my state uh, through the CCDL and also through testifying and, and uh, you know, doing written testimony and stuff for against good and for good, uh, against bad and for good gun laws and stuff. And uh, I, I have a, a pretty average perspective on what's going on around me with my family and stuff. So uh, hopefully I'll be able to contribute something useful to the conversation. Thank you. Oh, I'm sure. But, and if I can click the in distracted and being awkward here. Thanks again, Cheryl, for joining us now. I've got your link in there. Uh, Cycle Camp is on, he's downplaying his role. He's often a very sober, 
knowledgeable voice on the Daily Gun Show as a co-host. Thanks. Uh, Mike, thanks for joining us. Introduce yourself, Walk the Talk America. Uh, yeah, I'm Mike Sedini from Walk Talk America, uh, basically a nonprofit organization that bridges the gap between mental health and firearms, and I appreciate you having me on. Thanks for being here. Katie, thanks for jumping in. Introduce whichever projects you'd like. You got no, man, it's man, man, my man name man. is Kevin Dixie, uh, known as KD or the real NOC on social media. Um, I'm a firearms instructor, uh, 10 years in the law enforcement realm, 20 years giving uh, safety and instruction to various people around the country. Also the founder of Aiming for the Truth, a community program uh, focused on reaching into communities and fixing what's actually wrong to kill violence at its roots. Thus, we can grow stronger pillars of society, have a better world. Right on. And thanks again for jumping in. Literally looking forward to your insight. Tony uh, from New Jersey. Let us know about. Yeah, I'm Tony Simon from the Second is for Everyone diversity shoot. Um, also from Minuteman Challenge. What I do in Jersey is introduce people to the Second Amendment firearms community, guns for the first time, and introduce all people to Second Amendment groups in the state. Uh, yeah, what I'm going through right now is. Um, a lot of stuff is shut down, so I'm just reaching out through my podcast, 2A4E podcast, and doing things like this. I'm going to reach out to the community while the ranges are shut down and trying to make things better. Try to spread education. Right on. Appreciate what you do. Inference. I don't know how you want to introduce yourself, but feel free. Uh, I live in the Northwest. Um, I'm a range safety officer at one of the biggest gun clubs in the Portland area. Uh, I'm kind of new to the activist side. Been doing this for about six months, maybe. Um, my YouTube channels and rebuild. It was mostly competition stuff. I do a lot of three gun, speed steel, tactical rifle stuff. But that's about it. Thank you. Right on. And again, lots of insight. You enjoy and a lot of the live conversations. So appreciate your perspective tonight. Uh, there's also no barrier to entry in my chat. So if you're active in 2A, you're welcome. Kingpin, uh, welcome. Thanks for jumping in. Thanks for having me. figuring out some of the tech here so we could actually get started. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the invite. I appreciate the panel and everybody in the chat room. Uh, my name is David. They call me Kingpin. And basically, I just try to uh, contribute wherever I can and try to sound the alarm. Uh, I live in the state of Maryland. So I try to let people know what you don't want to have happen where you live. Somebody's got to be a canary. Let's get rid of the let's get rid of the gases that kill them, though. Uh, Charlie Cook, riding shotgun with Charlie. Thanks for jumping in. Thank you guys for having me. So my name is Charlie Cook. I have a show that I call Riding a Shotgun with Charlie. It's a YouTube channel, and I put the audio out as a podcast. And uh, I'm an instructor here in Massachusetts, and uh, it's great to see so many familiar faces. I, I appreciate being on. Uh, asked to be on this. Thank you. You bet. Uh, you're not the only teacher I invited, but one of the reasons I invited you is you're you uh, being a you're teacher. I figured you guys the only teacher I invited, but yeah, that would be me. I'm sorry. Only teacher I. And then uh, let's see. Next, we've got Patriot jumping in from Michigan. Thanks, Thanks for them, for joining. Appreciate it. I'm just your average blind guy, totally blind, uh, Marine veteran. And I'm an advocate, and I have my CPL, and I just try to open everybody else's eyes and stay positive. So thanks for having me. 
Yeah, thanks for being here. And then who's this last one that jumped in? Too much coffee. It's just me, Woods. Who? Woods. All right, so we got Woods, another of the educators, a teacher from the uh, Pacific Northwest. Thanks for jumping in. All right, so that's enough of that stuff. So we wasted enough of the show, but we have to do that it's so that everybody knows who everybody is. Um, we're here to not talk about the stress, right? But instead to talk about how we can talk to people with, about the, with the stress. Um, maybe we kind of did it as we introduced each other, but um, Cheryl's here in Arizona with me, Cycle Camp's in Connecticut, Mike's in uh, Nevada, uh, well, assuming everybody's home base is who knows where everybody's at. Katie's in uh, Missouri. Tony's in New Jersey. In Furnace, Washington. Yes, uh, South. In what did you say, Connecticut? No, not Connecticut. Uh, where are you at, Connecticut? Oh, I'm in Maryland. Maryland, thanks. Charlie's Massachusetts. Patriots, Michigan. And then another Washingtonian. Are you Oregon? No, you're Washington. So we're in Amherst, Arizona with Cheryl. So we're kind of all over the country. What's the stress levels out there? Am I the only one noticing that there's an elevated, I don't know, condition where it's tougher and tougher to talk to people who weren't as difficult and are challenging to talk with weeks ago? This is well, this is, this is Katie. I'll, I'll, can I, I'm sorry. I just want to say this real quick because I, I, I'm going to feel bad if I don't. I want to give a big hug to Cheryl, a big uh, bro hug to uh, Mike, a high five to everybody else, a bro hug to uh, a shotgun, though, and then I want to punch Tony in the face. Now, what was the question again? <laughs> Am I the only one who's noticing a, a, a need for this kind of a conversation? I, I just noticed that the stress level is getting high. It's getting a little bit more difficult to talk to people that it wasn't tough, difficult to talk to a couple weeks ago. And I suspect it might get worse. And I'd rather have some strategies going into it. So I guess I was kind of asking the general question, what's the stress level out there? And do you perceive a need for a conversation like this one? Well, me personally, I've seen a lot of people that aren't necessarily the stress isn't coming out. I'm seeing more confusion than anything. Um, it's it's kind of like most individuals that that even thought that they were ready for something like this or something in this arena uh, had all these plans, what they would do. And now I'm seeing more people that like during headlights to them. It's easier just to go home and sit down because the world is too confusing anyway. So the stay at home orders that are going around the country, I'm finding that it's been a lot of people at ease because they really don't know what to do. And are, they are looking for guidance and advice that is not saturated with conspiracy theories. And, um, you know, my cousin's uncle's dad's dog works at the CIA and he says, Wednesday, you're all going to be, you know, whatever, you know, all these different things going on. So they're looking for clear, concise information where they can actually make solid decisions. Right now, they just don't know how to begin. That's what I'm experiencing the most. I think that's I mean, basically what the I, obvious. Any other? Go ahead. I, I think that's basically what I see too. Is just you know a lot of misinformation is being thrown around everywhere, so it's kind of freaking some people out. But my my experience of you know like going to a fast food thing, if I'm describing something quickly, I mean people are definitely more talkative, so you can tell they kind of are missing that companionship a little bit, 
or like you know just going to some of the stores that are open because we're pretty much forced quarantine here in Washington right now. So they they close down mostly everything that is not considered essential. But everyone's been pretty nice. I, I, I haven't seen anybody like being jerks or or much of that. Well, some of that is probably when people, when there's no stress or no no issue for concern, there's no reason to c communicate necessarily. You can be in your bubble, but when there's all kinds of unknowns, you probably want to get as much information as possible, and that's how humans do that, right? We look at each other's faces and body language, and we're paying more attention to each other. Absolutely. So I'll weigh in. Um uh, Michael Sodini referred to me once as not only a, a werewolf, but also a vampire, something like that. Did I get that right, Mike? Yes, you did. Got it. <laughs> and what he means by that is that, yes, I am a gun store owner, so I'm in this whole Second Amendment world as an advocate and a, a retail business owner, but my degrees are all in psychology. And so um, the exact same intersection that he is occupying uh, I also do uh, in my world and the way that I think about things. And my my training, uh, my studies have really come into play hugely over the last couple of weeks and uh, challenged me to really, you know, kind of walk my own talk when I do find myself, my anxiety level starting to rise a little bit because I don't know. A lot of things. I don't know with our store if I can keep my staff working. I don't know if I can get enough uh, inventory to keep the doors open. I don't know if I'm going to have to lay people off. I don't know if there's going to be this government help that will help me as a business owner, help my staff. Uh, there's just a ton of things going on. I don't know if I'm even okay with the government helping me out because that goes against all of my conservative values. So I've had to really uh, focus my own mind and help my staff and help my family completely work on this is what we can do. Let's stop worrying about the stuff we can't do or what might happen tomorrow. Let's try to be as normal as we can in our daily activities and our routines uh, because there's been a ton of things that have gone completely haywire and upside down. Like on top of all the other hats that I wear now, I am in charge of basically homeschooling my granddaughter and I have a teacher spirit and, and I say that that's, you know, one of my, my uh, core uh, talents, but teaching a kindergartner how to read, that's not, that's not in that. <laughs> I, that is very, very um, out of my normal realm of things that I know how to do, but I have some tools available to me and, and we live in a time that I can reach out and there's some wonderful things on the internet. Uh, to help with that, but uh, I really had to focus hard on, you know, what do we normally do on a Sunday afternoon? Well, my family normally gets together and we play a board game or something, or we're in Disneyland. Well, Disneyland is closed, so 
we we play a board game and we went out you know in the fresh air and and enjoyed that and um and just really try to celebrate those moments and not just let them wash past us without really noticing um that was very enjoyable you know i'm glad to to have to slow down a little bit i'm glad to have this time with my family um so that's really the, the main thing is is being as normal as possible and and focusing on the cans and and not being frustrated by the cans right on thanks for getting us started in a direction a couple of things you mentioned there i didn't really take notes but just the, the last thing you said there about the vacations is like the perfect time we always take pictures on vacations but how often do we actually go back and appreciate them or maybe organize them into a good mm -hmm. uh what's it called a uh, slideshow or something and you know maybe stuff that the kids can barely remember and now they're old enough to start figuring it out you can go back and you know, look at prior vacations or vacations that they weren't in or something. And the, I've heard suggestions of like cleaning up hard drives and stuff. So, you know, it's an opportunity for that kind of stuff for sure to get people's minds off of it. And like you say, something close to regular and normalcy. Mm -hmm. so that's a great suggestion. Um, I want to, again, I don't know if I'm, I'm not good at this, but uh, when we started the show, uh, you know, there was a certain amount of people here. I don't know how many people, so I'm not really watching or actually watching right now. But if you're new or if you've just showed up, uh, this is a conversation. So, uh, it's not television. We're not watching the old televisions. We're on an internet, right? We're on a computer. You've got a keyboard on your computer. Or you've got buttons on your phone. Be part of this conversation. What we're doing is exploring how we're going to talk to people that are stressed or dealing with the, the chaos, uh, people that are uh, under pressure. Um, and some of the stuff you talked about there, um, you know, because we're all activists, uh, maybe ways that we can set ourselves up or prepare for the after. Because I, I don't think anybody, I think everyone would agree with me. This isn't the opportune time to try to persuade people about 2A or to, to be an ambassador. Well, we want to be an ambassador to 2A, but this isn't the time to to try to get people to to worry about the Second Amendment necessarily. But after, we're going to have lots of opportunities. So I figure if we want to chat about any of that stuff too, but I don't know. Let me ask this question maybe to help start us out. I started this conversation because I've noticed that it's more difficult to talk to people and it's been getting more difficult to talk to people because so many people are stressed. And of course, if they look at the media, they're gonna amplify that stress. There's, there's nothing that's trying to put brakes on it at all. So I figured this would just be a, a way to get some experts and some people that have dealt with stress in different ways or that deal with uh, talking to people in different ways uh, to just you know be on this topic. But how, I guess that's the way I was trying to ask at the beginning of the show, I didn't do it very well. Um, on a scale of one to 10, how necessary is a conversation or a, a skill set like this? Is this something that we as Second Amendment advocates, this is something that we don't need very often, so maybe we don't need to have it? Or is it something that is a useful skill set? And I don't know if we need to go around the room or whatever. I, but I'd like, I'd like to make a, a, a quick comment about that. And, and the first thing I'd like to say is everybody that concealed carries or I hope most people that concealed carry know that as the person with the gun in the room, it's their job to be more calm, more stable, more directed uh, than anybody else in the room. And I feel that a lot of two a people, especially concealed carriers are, are already have a lot of those kind of, I'm not, going to upset. I'm not going to let people trigger me. 
for tonight. I'll just tell a quick story. My, my older sister works for an engineering firm as an administrative person, and I got a phone call last night. Um, she, uh, it, was a, it was a message because I wasn't near my phone, and, and she had been told that she had to go home, and she was, she's literally panicked that she was going to lose her job. And her response to that was to grab a bottle, and and she's not a, a a big drinker, but her response to that was to grab a bottle, you know, hug the cat and go to sleep. And I called her back this morning, and her her big concern was at home. She's all Macintosh, and everybody on her uh, and everybody in the office is Windows 10, and she doesn't have a way to get into the office. So I. So I told her, I said, hey, you remember me, big brother, IT, you know, guy for 43 years? I got machines here. Come on over. And and the relief in her voice was just absolutely phenomenal. But until, un, until she got past her fear of losing her job, she just wasn't making rational decisions. And it, it's our job to help, first of all, calm people down, you know, help them see the big picture, and, and then, you know, offer to help them and everybody you help is going to that's one more person that's going to start calming down and and it, things are going to go a little easier so i i think 2a people and and people that are used to carrying are very well qualified or, or have the tools not that well qualified but have the tools to help uh in these kinds of situations you know overly i mean i know most of the people i know that can still carry are overly polite you know, they don't get mad at people in line. They don't have a lot of road rage, you know, that kind of thing. And I think those kind of things serve us very well during this time. Thank you. Brilliant. Thank you for putting that in there. Was somebody else, I kind of threw it out there. And I don't know, This is, it's nice to have a lot of people in here, but it's also kind of difficult, awkward when I just throw a, com a subject out to however many people getting here, 10 people. Um, I got it. Anyone who want to add on yeah, that before I, I just I've jump in again? Uh, just being the blind guy in the room, uh, some of the things that I, I, I do normally, just because obviously I self-isolate anyways because I don't like people, but I always kind of advocate for, you know, talking to the veterans, being a veteran, you know, reach out to that buddy that nobody talks to or you haven't talked to in a while. Um, obviously, I'm, for other reasons, um, some of my past things. But with this situation, there's always somebody that you know that lives alone or there might be two people and they're older or whatever that you can, you can call. You're sitting at home, you have that extra time, you know, reaching out and doing that, that little positive thing. Even if it's one of those ladies that, that talks way too much and, you know, just to give them that, that, that touch of, of community, I guess, I, I don't know what, what to call it, but, just to do that, you know, if you have kids at home, instead of letting them sit on Xbox for hours, you know, make them call grandma, make them call, you know, Uncle Bob or whoever, you know, doing those small things, you know, where you actually have that communication and that, that insight that people are out there, they do think about you, you know, it doesn't have to be relation, you know, it can be, you know, whatever your, your, you know, guys you used to work with, uh, retirees, you know, people that are at the diner, whatever, you know, and if you do make calls also, one of the things I like to do is, you know, I've called the stores before I show up, that kind of thing. I always try to give them compliments, you know, for the people that are working, 
it's just like, you know, you always give a bigger tip to the waitress in the morning um, because, you know, obviously they're there working hard and that kind of stuff. So I, I, I think that that communication and talking helps out a lot and relieves a lot of stress because if you're sitting home and nobody calls you, you know, you have a lot more time to dwell and, and focus on things that, that might not be so positive. So bringing some, some light and some outside into somebody's uh, area, you know, doesn't mean you have to visit them or anything like that, or, you know, have answers for them. Just, just kind of an ear. I, I think that helps out a lot. That last part there makes a good point too, because we don't necessarily, even in the lockdown time, it's tough to, to offer the advice, Hey, go help somebody when you can't literally go somewhere, but if you've got skills on the web and you can help somebody in the area, just relay their need to the bright people. You don't have to necessarily be able to pull the medical equipment out of your butt. If you can, you go online and find the right phone number for somebody who doesn't have access to the internet, you can be useful, right? So in other words, keeping ourselves useful, helping others is always a good idea for keeping our minds off of stuff, I guess. What I happen to think there is, you know, just got done closing down gun channels like five minutes before all this stuff started. Um, how necessary would it or how, how how nice would it be if we had a channel, not if we had a an infrastructure that would allow Second Amendment firearms related people to be able to talk to each other that wasn't platform dependent, you know, that wasn't tied up in a Facebook uh, or a YouTube or anything specific, but maybe just some sort of, uh, I don't know, like the old the old days, you'd have like a newsletter, a piece of paper that went out to everybody or something, but uh, some way to keep people united because um, think about all the people that showed up to Virginia. That was boots on the ground, right? That was people that assembled due to Second Amendment activism. What if, you know, we needed these people to help at a, whatever, triage or help with, you know, where, where people are needed. In this case, we don't need people, but uh, to mobilize resources, it would certainly be neat to, for the Second Amendment to have infrastructure that would allow us to be useful for this kind of situation keep us all busy and I think there's a certain amount of uh, ease that you have by being plugged in right when you're part of the infrastructure in some way helping or supplying or you know you're you're aware you're tied in a little bit more than just listening to the end of a radio or TV Absolutely. any other suggestions go ahead yes so I wanted to uh, take a second and actually ask Mike Sodini to talk a little bit because you've really been on my mind the work that you're doing has really been on my mind since all of this started because you know people are fearful of being out of work they're actually out of work we have families that are being quarantined together in tight spaces and you know tensions can definitely rise um the anxiety can definitely cause um some, some frustration anger depression uh, all kinds of things and the work you're doing when you talk about the Second Amendment community putting in some infrastructure, Pete, uh, what Mike is doing with Walk the Talk America is is such needed and important infrastructure for that mental health piece and to give people the tools they need um, with the self-assessment, the, the anonymous self-assessment and all of that. So um, talk to us a little bit, Mike, about that that work and are you seeing a surge of people coming to the website 
And if not, then we all here need to be driving some traffic in that direction, I think. Uh, yeah, thank you, Cheryl, by the way. Um, yeah, there's a, a bump in it. Actually, so we have free and anonymous uh, mental health screenings. There's about 13 of them. If you go to WTTA.org forward slash love, um, you'll find them up there. But uh, to answer your question, Cheryl, yes, the anxiety, uh, the anxiety uh, screening is is blowing up. Uh, it's, 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 it's ahead of everybody, everything else. Um, I've been telling people there's a good place to go just to check on your overall mental health while you're doing this, right? Um, take some time to go, uh, go there and, and take all the screenings. I mean, unless they don't apply. Right. Um, but it just, it doesn't hurt to find out where you're at or how you see yourself. Uh, I think it's, it's a good thing. Um, I think connectiveness is, is important. Um, you know, the gentleman touched on that earlier, uh, simple texts to people. Hey, how are you hanging in there? You know, is, is it good? I, unfortunately, I'm in a place where tourism and the service industry are are the main, you know, it's, it's how people make their money and we're shut down right now. So um, it, it's important to really check in with people. Uh, the other thing that I'm suggesting to a lot of people is um, Khan Academy online. They have, uh, you know, free courses that you can take um, and get information. It's uh, khanacademy.org. Uh, learn a trade or, you know, research something, uh, get a skill during these downtimes. Um, I think that's super important. Hey, come out of it stronger. It keeps you busy. And then you're communicating with others, probably. I mean, there's not very many skills you're going to learn today by yourself. You know, you're going to end up going online and being in chats to ask questions or. I, I just want to chime in about this. I've got uh, my day job is a school teacher and my schools have been all shut down for a few weeks. So I'm in, I'm, I'm certainly concerned about how this is going to end up with coming out of my job and I'm trying to find ways to learn new things online. But I'm also taking some time to say, all right, well, this is this is good for me to to maybe learn a couple of different skills and maybe to work out a little bit and, and connect with people and try to find new ways to um, help myself to come out of this and still have some sort of value that I can offer people that they'll turn around and say, hey, listen, we want to give you, whether it's certificates of appreciation with, with that green pieces of paper with dead presidents on it or, uh, you know, whatever. It's 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 a good opportunity to learn how to do some other stuff, like you said. And I'm, um, I'd like to think I'm doing it every day, but it doesn't necessarily happen that way. <laughs> Well, it's tough when you don't have an end, right? And that's got to be, I think, one of the things that's getting people so stressed. If it was like, hey, you know, we're used to this. This is the in, this is the the flu week, or this is the epidemic halting month that we do every once in a while when this happens. Everybody would have hunkered down and been ready and had their stuff planned out. And yeah, they'd been like, this is the month I do my cleanse, or this is the month I do my spring cleaning. Everybody kind of went into it out of nowhere. Uh, but I think what um, Cycle Camp kind of uh, hit on there was something I hadn't thought about yet. But as CCW holders, as anybody who has firearms, we're probably at least some level of prepper, at least people who don't have firearms, we consider all of us preppers, right? We've got to have a little bit better mindset. Um, going back to the original premise of the show, speaking with people with, with that are stressed out or, or dealing with the pressure, does anybody have any techniques um, for us? Maybe it's 
I was thinking, you know, listening to a lot of these videos today, um, it, it, it's all, you're telling people who have stress, it's all about inside of your head. It's not the outside world that's creating pressure. It's your reaction to it that's mm -hmm. causing pressure. Is it us? Maybe we need to chill or maybe people like myself that are attempting to talk to people now need to chill and just let people stress. Is it just like a like a teapot? You just got to let it go and come and figure out how to deal with it after? Or is there some advantage to attempting to calm, uh, calm people down or have conversations now? This is Katie. I, I believe that it's it never hurts to have conversation uh, and kind of piggybacking off with uh, what they just got through uh, discussing. It kind of ties into what the question you're asking now. With the time that you have, if somebody, if all they can do is sit and stew and stress and guess what's coming next, then they're going to lose their freaking minds, right? So um, not only should you not be doing that, what I would like people to do is stop, slow down, lock your doors. That way you feel safe and secure in your home and really think about what inside of your home right now that you can control that could make your family life better. So if you have brother, sisters, husband, wife, kids, whatever the case may be, whoever you're quarantined with, how's that relationship? You know, because the world um, keeps us all busy. We're ripping and running. Many of us work multiple jobs. We have several things we're doing. We're always ripping and running. One of the, the positive consequences of this time, unfortunately, is the fact that you can take that time to reinvest into your family life. You can take that time, this time to rejuvenate who you are, to replenish who you are, get back to knowing who you are. I've seen comments online where people are like, seriously, like, oh, I'm just getting to know my wife again after three years. Not because they haven't talked to her, just because, you know, you're trying to provide and pay bills and things like that. So I think you can you can distract from the stress on the outside world by focusing on what's going inside your own internal world. As far as worrying about the other things that might be coming your way, what the government's going to do or what this next week looks like, I think it's to a point that we all need to realize that we have no control over that. Yeah, the, the scientists can't control the virus. Um, the best thing they can tell us to do is stay away from each other, be smart that way the thing falls dead in the air. Well, if that's the case, let's, let's take wisdom. Let's be smart about the way we apply it. But you can't help it. You, can't, you have to realize you can't control it. Um, all, only thing you can do is be ready, be as prepared as you can, and react to the information that you're given. So there's no reason, a uh, gun owner or not, not a gun owner, there's no reason to worry about um, what's to come. The one thing I would tell gun owners to be responsible with um, is that, yes, you own a firearm, whether you bought one during this recent, um, these recent times or you've been owning one for 40 years. Yes, you have a firearm now. Do yourself and everybody else around you a favor. Stop telling them how much they suck and how much they're going to be a victim of crime because they don't. Because what that is causing is people to be in a necessary mode of panic that is causing everybody to feel like, oh, I should have did this. I should have did that. And they're going to they're going to be stressed out until as soon as somebody, you know, walks past them too close. They're going to respond in a way because they feel like they're vulnerable. They feel like they're, you know, a bunny rabbit in a pool full of alligators. Right. So make sure that you aren't passing fear alone. You aren't giving them something else to fear. If somebody reaches out to you and say, hey, man, I didn't get a gun in this time. What am I going to do? Hey, man, you know what? If, you, if you're feeling scared, you know, go out for your resources in the daytime. When you go back home, make sure you lock your doors, set your alarm to stay mode. Uh, you know, if it's somebody close to you, hey, you need my, do you need my help coming over to make sure your windows are good and locked? Something like that to make them feel better. You don't need to start wagging your finger in their face now, letting them know that they made a mistake and they're going to be the first victim. That's not a smart thing to do. It just causes pain. Here, here, here. Uh, you know, this is not the time to be playing. Told you so. Told you so. Told you so. Right. Uh, excellent points.
Yeah, I mean, I I reached out to a lot of my friends who I knew recently bought a gun, and I just said, hey, if you ever want some training, you can come with me. I have an awesome club where we will be by ourselves, so we can you know, work on whatever you want. I mean, most of the fear that I see from like my friends and family is is more the, the vi- virus related because you know we all got older parents and you know whatnot or young kids because I'm in my mid thirties. Uh, I don't really see too many people like freaking out about guns and stuff in the in the people that I know. Well, yeah, like in the the stores haven't hit the crazy level where they're barren. Like people haven't freaked out yet. So I think it's mostly the gun owners who are, um, yeah, aware of the firearms thing. And sorry, my internet went down, so that's why I was zero dark oh, thirty no for ten minutes. One one of the other things that you might want to focus on too is is as long as you're staying calm, you know, your kids are going to see that. Your kids are going to stay calm. You know, your wife's going to stay calm or whatever. You know, the people that are around you, if they see you, you know, looking around like you're you're a crazy person and, you know, worrying about this and worrying about that and you're wearing all that stuff on your sleeve, I think that will promote a lot of that other unnecessary, you know, stress. You know, so if you're you're like that that chiller in the casino that, you know, cools a table or whatever they call it, you know, just just stay calm. You know, even if you're not, you know, I mean, you can be worried about things, but not show it to everybody on the street. We're not hearing you, Tony. I muted you before. Sorry. Tony, we're not hearing you. We're not hearing you. I muted you. There you go. Can I unmute him? You're muted still, Tony. No. You're not hearing nope. him. Are you guys hearing Which him? Which is a pleasure. Jump, jump, jump back in. Sorry, Tony. I screwed it up before. Appreciate everybody tolerating the uh, tube, but it lets us have more people in here. So uh, thanks to Night Strike, Mike, for running the tube for us. Hello. Yep, back? I'm back. All right. Yeah, I'm still working. Um, I'm still at work, so I work in a prison, if people didn't know. And, uh, of course, I'm known as the gun guy. So a lot of people who don't own firearms, and, again, know I'm the gun guy, have come up to me, you know, and they're stressing, again, about not owning a firearm. Um, do I, Can I interrupt you? Go ahead. Have they, have they considered just sending all your clients home and – Letting them uh, social. <laughs> Actually, they have done social distancing in the prison, and it is weird to say the least. Um, just dumb stuff is happening, but they're figuring it out as it goes along. But uh, the guys in the work are stressing, and I'm like, yo, bro, look, nothing is happening right now. Calm down. All right. Mm-hmm. I totally understand. And, um, but we're not to that point yet that you need to walk around strapped. I'm like, just take it easy. If you didn't think you needed a gun before, you don't need one right now. And and just, just do other things. And then we talk about that, you know, how to secure your home, how not to make your house look like it's empty when you're not there, and just different things like that. Because a lot of these guys are stressing because they know what may happen is they might lock us in. They might keep us at work 24-7. 
we still don't know where we're at with that. Mm-hmm. So that's what's happening with these dudes. But I'm like, you can't control that. So they're just trying to figure out what to do in the worst case scenario. And and again, if you can't change it, if you can't affect it, you can't do anything about it. So stop stressing. I was. Uh, I just want to chime in. I talked to a friend of mine um, about a month ago, and he is a. Um, he's he's a musician. He's liberally oriented, and we got into a talk about him wanting to go shooting. And I said, absolutely. I'm, I'm up for you for going shooting and you should, you should. He's like, you know, I'm whatever, of a certain age, I've never shot a gun before and I just want to. And I'm like, that's, that's totally cool. There's nothing wrong with it. And he's like, but I'm diametrically opposed to everything that you're for. And I'm like, well, I, I get you, but I still think you should be able to have a gun to be able to protect yourself. And this is before any of this stuff happened. Um, and I messaged him the other day and he's like, you know, I can't get a, I can't get a, gun license. I can't take a class, so I can't get a gun until all this is done. But he's like, you know, I can go to uh, I can go to Cabela's or someplace to get some uh, uh, pepper spray. And and that's uh, that would work too. Let them get that. Yeah, I mean, it's whatever the, the, right. There's there's something. Yes, there is there is something, and he wants to be a little more comfortable with, being, you know, having the ability to protect himself. He did go out and buy a couple of um, folding knives, and he wants to uh, he wants to have something to protect himself. And I get it, and that's cool, and and you know, good for him for taking some steps and saying, all right, well, you you might need to do something, and it's good to have a plan. So I I congratulated him for that, and you know, he he can't take a class and get a gun until this is all done. Now. Uh, let's just we're going to have to assume that everything is going to go back to normal at some point there's going to be an after and it's going to be an appropriate time that's a golden opportunity right to address those issues those feelings that he had that those concerns and then now what would you have done if six people were knocking at the door wondering if you had water or pills or who knows what and all you had was a knife behind the door you know we're not crazy and we don't think the government is knocking on our door but we're concerned when the government does you know all the we don't have to talk about that but i think that's another thing that we could talk about tonight potentially is is that uh, i was going to wait till about the hour we're getting to about that hour i don't want to disregard the idea of dealing with people who are stressed if there's other ideas or strategies sandhills just jumped in uh, feel free to address those, but we've got you know some time maybe to talk about how we can bank some of these potential opportunities uh, so that after, I mean, there's martial law based on being you know at least suggested if not imposed. There's all kinds of craziness. We definitely see lines 4473s. I think we've got such potential, such such opportunity in the after. Is it? Is it appropriate to talk about that now? Or is it putting the cart before the horse? What do you th- think? Well, I don't think it's inappropriate to talk about it now. That's that's one of the things that I've noticed in just in the Second Amendment firearms community, if you will. Well, I know a couple of people that have training classes and you know schools where they teach people how to properly use firearms, and they're offering free classes right now just because they know that there's so many first time buyers out there. And what I've noticed is all these people who disregarded us yesterday and had disdain toward us yesterday, 
because of our belief in the Second Amendment and our Constitution, when they come to us for help, we're not turning them away. Now, can we say the same thing? If we needed their help, would they treat us the same way? I would hope so, but we don't know. We're in a situation now where somebody said it earlier, our character is being revealed. And when the anti-gunners are coming to us looking for advice, looking for tips, how do you do this? Buy a gun. Should, which one should I get? And we're not telling them, get out of my face. You should have figured that out your own. We're bringing them in and saying, let me teach you. And very potentially, when this is all over, they're going to turn on us again. But it shows that we care. I think it absolutely shows that we care. I've I've seen some people that are offering free, uh, free information, uh, whether it's uh, dry fire practice or gun safety or what do you do now that you're a new gun owner. I see a lot of people doing this, and I actually I'm going to spend some time tomorrow trying to figure out how I can set something up and and do some Zoom video so other people can you know, get in touch with me and say, hey, listen, you know, if I wanted to learn how to, now that I'm a new gun owner, how do I dry fire? How do I do this? How do I take care of that? And I, th I think it's great. I mean, there's, I've seen probably four or five different of uh, instructors that are the, the big name instructors that have been putting out, okay, so you're a new gun owner. What do you do? How do you handle this? How do you handle that? And I, I think it's great. If, if, if they come back and turn on us uh, later because they, they really have whatever anti-gun thoughts and, and feelings, then that's okay. Then we can buy their guns at, uh, at a discount price, hopefully. And I actually took my ex-wife's boyfriend to the range. He actually approached me. They did about um, using firearms and stuff because they, they obviously know I, I have you know my, my collection or whatever, and they were interested in something, you know, they're actually both veterans, um, and so it was. It was kind of interesting, but I I took them. I had no issue. I supplied the ammo, went to the indoor range, and uh, had a, actually a really great time. So you know, it does doesn't mean you have to be an instructor. You know, I mean, we all know the the safety, and you know, you just have to be an ambassador. I think it's more of of just being that calm person that you know don't roll your eyes or you know do any of that insensitive stuff until they leave but definitely it's all attitude i think i would say that right now we have a huge opportunity kind of like we did at lobby day in virginia and with every rally really across the country but we've got an opportunity right now to show all of the anti-gun people and all of the new, formerly anti-gun people that are new gun owners, what we've all already known, the gun community as a whole is really friendly. We're very welcoming. We're very open. And if anybody needs help, you know, we're all willing to give some advice and lend a hand, you know, do all that kind of stuff. Um, I really see it as an opportunity right now just to, to not only you know, grow the numbers of new gun owners, which situation is doing that already, but uh, just to kind of cement the bond and let, you know, all the new gun owners know that uh, they don't have to do anything special to be part of the family. You know, they're just, we're all in this together. We all want to help each other out. We really don't hate the people that hate us, uh, or most of us don't anyway. Uh, so it, it's, a, it's a great way to either build the bridges or just, you know, firm up those foundations for, for the bridges that were already being built, I think.
I think my only concern is – You know, too, it's um... – Go ahead, boss. No, go ahead. Go I, ahead. Think, I, I think my only sure? concern – So I <laughs> – so weird. You go ahead. I'm not going to talk. Go I ahead. think my only concern is, like, most of the people that I know that are anti-gun or that they're okay with guns, but they're only okay with certain guns, most of them concern is not the government. It's – some kid, you know, shooting up a school or something in that case. I don't know how we use this to help them understand, you know, all the rights you get with the Second Amendment. Because they're not. There's a, they're not. Oh, go ahead. Well, I'm going to interrupt you. So, Katie, you can jump in there. But I'm going to interrupt you and say how we do that is we say, look, all these people that bought guns, where's the violence? Where's the chaos in the streets? Where's the actual violence? You're, you're concerned about something, but there's even more guns on the street. So your concern isn't reinforced by history. Yeah. Where are the toilet paper shootouts? <laughs> yeah, but they don't, they, <laughs> they don't care about that. So. I hear you. I hear you, but that's just my answer. But yeah. Katie, well, yeah, I, I think the one thing that we have to take advantage of is the fact that we don't have to say anything. I mean, really, if you think about it now, I'm not saying that we don't help. You know, I myself, I, I moonlight at Missouri's uh, newest and, and uh, nicest facility uh, three years running in the state. So we get a ton of business through that place. And um, I went up for free um, and I was there about seven hours uh, right during the middle of this rush. And I answered questions and, you know, did all the right things. Uh, I offered free tips, got on videos with people the whole nine yards. And the one thing that I noticed is. You know, everyone, there was not one person that I helped that had owned a gun. And I probably that day in five hours of my time there probably sold about 25 to 35 firearms, just me. And it was like 12 of us running around. Right. So during that time, everybody would approach me like, hey, I've never owned a gun. Um, you know, I don't like them. They all got these different stories and their humility did all the talking for me. The only thing I had to do is be professional. That's all I have to do is be professional, uh, listen to their concerns, address their concerns, um, let them know, like, hey, we have limited inventory. You know, uh, you know, I wish this would have happened earlier uh, for a different reason, but this is the best way I can guide you. Hey, what is your budget like? You know, uh, who's at home with you so I can give you some safety tips? But they came with hat in hand. Um, and it was my opportunity just to say, OK, let me help you and let me not even throw it back in your face. I don't have to because you're doing you have egg on your face now. Um, all I have to do is reach out, be a resource and help. And in that, we got tons of compliments. Um, it's, it's really nice. Uh, even one guy said to a few of us, like, I just knew I was going to come in here and get beat up on. I knew I was going to come here and get beat up on because he admitted that he hates guns and anybody that carries them until this happened. And he's like, no, you guys are nothing but nice. You were nothing but kind. I'm sorry for ever judging you. Like that was his testimony. So as long as we're nice, decent people, and providing information, educating to new owners, we don't have to say you made a mistake. They know it. They knew it when they when it happened, and they needed a gun. That brings up something nice too. That you don't have to, as long as you are professional and you're polite and you're you give a positive view. All those people that you talk to, they have people that they talk with and that have certain clout with their friends or whatever, and know that oh, this guy doesn't like firearms, but whoa, he's talking that, you know, he had a good experience, et cetera, that, that multiplies. And the good thing is it doesn't matter, uh, KD, if, if you were selling them a firearm or a toothbrush, you're still going to be respectful and courteous and helpful to them. And yep. that, that's, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, absolutely. I, 
Guys, I got to jump off. So I just want to say thank you again for having me on, Pete. And I love seeing everybody. I miss you guys. All of our events got canceled. So um, I appreciate you all for the work you're doing. And uh, keep it up. We'll talk soon. Thanks again. I'll see you later, Cheryl. Go back Thursday if you have a chance. So that'll give me a chance to play hoster at the top of the hour. Um, I wanted to go for, let's say, two hours at max. So we got another hour we can go here for. Um, and like I say, we can, the, the topic, or the, the reason for getting everybody together is to uh, deal or talk about strategies of dealing with people who are stressed out and uh, talking with people during the panic. And uh, alternatively or secondly, uh, dealing with Second Amendment awareness during all of this and um, how we might be able to um, capitalize on it after the fact. Um, so with that, I know we've been kind of all over the place and there's a lot of people in here. If anybody has anything kind of banked that they wanted to chat about, feel free to jump in. Otherwise, we did have a question earlier that was addressed in the text, but I wanted to let Mike have a chance to address it just so that in case anybody had that concern that might be just listening as a podcast or something that didn't read the chat. Um, Bass Boy had asked earlier uh, about the... Uh, uh, mental health screening over at Walk to Talk America's website, he asked, um, will that affect someone's Second Amendment doing that screening? No, it won't at all. And I'm sorry, but when I, when I try to go to the chat, it, um, it cuts everything off and I can't hear anybody anymore. <laughs> so I figured you guys would let me know if there's something in there. But it's absolutely free and anonymous. You don't have to put any information in there. You don't want to. Um, it will ask you a couple questions, but you don't even have to answer those. But it's just basically to uh, to get some demographic information, but it's 100% anonymous. And um, to, f to go further with that, uh, the organization that I've partnered with is called Mental Health America, and they are the, the longest, uh, you know, oldest uh, running mental rights health organization. Um, they do not believe that if you have depression or you have anxiety um, or when you were, you know, six years ago when you were in a breakup and, and you know, you needed to seek help because it, your world was devastated that you shouldn't be able to own a firearm. Um, so I hope that helps people understand uh, who we are. Uh, we fight for the rights of everyone uh, to have their second amendment rights. So. Right on. Thanks for addressing that. And since we're talking about it again, feel free, anybody who wants to throw another point out there, but I thought it was interesting. I was listening, I think to a riding shotgun with Charlie actually so i got both of you guys in here so i can say thanks to both of you guys for charlie for doing your series your podcast you uh interview second amendment advocates mike obviously is one and when i was listening to that show um you had brought up that you attended something with some doctors and because they weren't gun owners they weren't shooters they didn't realize the hang-ups or the perceptions that gun owners have with the perception that we might lose our rights, which is justified. I'm not saying it's a paranoia or anything, but you know we have a justified uh, concern, like you just mentioned. And but you brought that to the attention of these doctors who never knew it, and I can't even imagine. But you know, you assume that everybody is on the same path or everybody's on the same wavelength, and your efforts have. I mean, that's just one example, I imagine. But that's a, I think, a great way to illustrate what what the benefits of what you're doing. Thanks for that. Yeah, no, and I, I appreciate that. The the class, it's a class that we put on. As a matter of fact, our next class was supposed to be in Vegas um, because we are going to take this thing nationwide. But we bring mental health professionals into the range, and it 
and for everybody that's that's listening to the show or on this panel, um, you know, it's gun 101, right? Like we <laughs> we would know all this stuff if we were just sitting there in the class, but it, it's fun because we get to bring them into the world and they get to, there's, there's no stupid question, right? So just ask anything. I go on there. I started off by talking about, you know, the first time that I shot a firearm, how I probably needed to be wearing my brown pants, right? Like things like that. Um, you know, because it, it is a nerve wracking experience. And, um, that is one of the things we found is that there was a lot of these mental health professionals that were saying, we didn't even realize you were afraid. So, you know, they had to rethink the way that they asked the, fi the firearms question to, you know, their, the people that they treat. Um, and, and that's what you find when, you know, you, you don't communicate, right? Like that's the importance of communication, uh, in a civil manner. Because I was able to explain, yeah, it's a huge fear of ours. And I was watching some of them. And, and keep in mind, um, there are certain states like New York and New Jersey um, where, yeah, if you tell the wrong therapist uh, something that it can affect you. But for the most part, uh, because of HIPAA, because of uh, the fact that they could lose their license, most of these therapists cannot take your firearms. They, there is no bat phone. Um, but it's fun to bring them into the range, have them shoot, and then and and understand our fears, so they can kind of uh, you know reshape, reframe the way that they ask those questions. Um, and then some of them have also put in their profiles, like on Psychology Today, two uh, A friendly, uh, you know, gun culture friendly, uh, saying like, hey, we don't care that you own firearms, we don't care that you use firearms as a stress relief. You can come in here and say it, um, and that's something that I'm proud of. Right on, and that they know that, that they can be that they're they can let people know that they're aware, and, and then we acknowledge what that means. Um, and I think that if you never played golf before, you'd look at a golf club, a bag of golf clubs, and you'd go, "This guy's obsessed with these things. How many does he meet? Right? Like, is he rich or what?" Then you play golf, and you realize there's different use for each one. If no one's ever gone shooting, and they who knows what perception they have. Again, I think that's got to be useful when you take them to the range and you show them there's a difference between shooting way over there and shooting really close. And there's a difference between that kind of handgun and that one. All of a sudden, they might understand why somebody has six guns and that's not necessarily an arsenal of paranoia or something. Right. Sorry, I cut you off. No, uh, it's really funny that Mike brought this up. Um, talking about the doctor thing. I have a friend of mine who uh, worked at the jail with me at work at the prison and um, he's a gun owner. He's from P.A. But, you know, he works in Jersey and he wanted to take some official, you know, classes. He wanted to take um, an actual class on gun safety. So myself and my partner, Sean, we brought him and a lot of the other psychs and psychiatrists from work into a class and um, shooting guns and stuff. And he came to our rifle class, pistol class, shotgun class. So I shot him um, an email two weeks ago. And there was a question about this. Uh, a friend of mine said, we're going through counseling, my wife and I, and I want to know, is there a psych we can talk to that won't report me over my gun, you know, the fact that I own a lot of guns. So I, I reached out to him, and he was like, I never even thought of that as a subject. He said, I never thought gun owners would worry about that. And he's a gun owner. It's just he doesn't, you know, he goes to the range by himself, you know, shoots a target and leaves. He doesn't have the conversations that we have when we all hang out together, like he, he was like, I, I've never even thought about that. So it is truly amazing because again, this is a gun owner. That's a psychiatrist that never thought about how much gun owners worry about someone reporting on us 
based on their own bias, maybe, and just saying this guy's a gun nut because he has over a thousand rounds of twenty two. <laughs> Uh, I want to chime in a little bit, and um, first of all, uh, Pete, thanks for saying that you watch the show. I really appreciate that. Michael, um, I, I used to have a therapist that I would go to on a regular basis a number of years ago. I ran into him recently, and he came up to me. He, sa he said he likes watching Writing Shotgun, and he really enjoyed the show with you because as as a mental health professional that, that works with people and talks with people, he's he completely knows what it's like to talk to people that are that need help that need to talk to someone but aren't a threat because they have a gun and uh, he uh, he was he was very excited to talk about that and, and to to say that um, you know if he was if there's something he could do he would he would be totally interested in doing it uh, um, for let me know that that's cool yeah thank you um, Tony had something but I completely forgot what it is so I'm gonna I'm gonna go mute <laughs> Oh, Tony's a forgettable person. <laughs> so um, this is something that uh, <laughs> that I would uh, that I would add. So um, Mike's heard me talk about this uh, several times. I don't know if you guys have, and I'll make it short. But look, for anybody out there that's uh, that's thinking that addressing your mental concerns is going to prohibit you from being a gun owner, okay? So here's a firearm. All right, there are a few more of them laying around me right now, just to bring relevance into what I'm about to say, okay? Guns, all right? Um, that being said, for uh, because of my childhood and upbringing, uh, for roughly 10 to 12, 13 years, I struggled heavily with um, clinical depression and anxiety, right? Um, so that was, was one of my testimonies that I give out, and I, I give way more details about how I arrived at that place as a young kid into a teenager and dealt with it until my early 20s and then everything after that was just making sure I sustained it, made sure I was okay, learning tips, learning tricks to keep myself calm and just, you know, knowing how to maintain myself. Um, and still now to this day, even though that stuff is far removed from my life, still to this day, about once a month, I go talk to a counselor. Not because anything is wrong, but it's just my way of making sure nothing does go wrong. It's just my way of going in, having some way to, uh, having a person to talk to, making sure that even though I've had this thing under control for a decade and some change now, Let's make sure that there is nothing that allows me to be put in position where it sneaks up on me and I don't see it coming. But if you're if you're if you're scared um, to go talk to someone, I want you to get over that, because if you don't go talk to someone, the guns don't have to come to play at all. You will slowly decay on the inside because you're not getting help. Mental health is one can argue, you know, it's the equivalent to physical health. I, I would say it's kind of more important in a way. But. It's at least equivalent to your physical health. I mean, if, you're, if your heart's not beating right, you're going to go see a doctor, right? You know, if you break your leg, you're going to go see a doctor. Well, if your mind is not healthy, um, then it's, it's going to continue to go downhill. You need to, uh, to focus on self first and go, get some, and go get some attention. And then there are smart ways to do it. Uh, obviously, Walter Talk America has a great way for you to start. They also guide you to professionals in your area. Uh, but trust me, nobody is going to intentionally set you up to have your rights taken away. But gentlemen like Mike are out here running these programs to make sure that you are set up to make sure you have a healthy mind so you can go back and love all the things that you want to love, including yourself, that you are using the guns to protect, right? The same way you're using a gun to protect your, your family and your, your, your kids and your neighbors, the same thing with you. You need to be okay for you can still be available to protect all the things and love all the things that you're hoping that gun physically secures. So go get yourself checked out.
Appreciate that, Kevin. No problem, sir. Mike paid me to say that, so I was obligated. <laughs> you taking Venmo? <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. But uh, it, it's serious. I love the work he does, and it's, it's it's underrated, and I believe that more people should take advantage of it. I wish there was somebody out there doing that when I was a, a young kid and started to encounter firearms. I wish that there was somebody out doing the work he's doing now. So take advantage of it. Don't be scared. And, and what you're working on is removing barriers so that the both ends, so that the gun owners, we know the, the playing field and that as doctors are aware of our side of it, they'll remove things or make sure to make it clear when things are iffy for us. Right. So hopefully it smooths the waters for everybody. Yeah. And one thing, you know, just ask that. Tells you well, sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to interrupt, but one thing I wanted to add to that is it's the stuff that we're doing. Uh, I'm very proud of it in terms of for us as the second amendment community, um, because you know, we help a lot of people that, especially the trainers on here that, that come to the second amendment community to learn, but I'm out there with a lot of anti-gun people. And, and uh, quite frankly, I love shutting them up, showing them that we do things that they never thought we cared about doing. Um, so it's something that I think as the two, a community, we could wear as a badge say, uh, we do, we do more than you, or we do what you don't think we do. You know, um, it, it blows people away. Sometimes I've, I've talked to doctors and mental health professionals that have just been, they're like, wow, this is great. This is amazing. I really like this. And it kind of changes the narrative, uh, about us, you know, uh, at the same time, which, which is something I think is absolutely fantastic. So. Love it. Before I don't let Sandhills in, which I was going to, I'm going to try to get this across, but it's mental health, right? So that's, that's something that for this, what was I going to say? We're For this situation, it's kind of too late. Uh, but after the fact, we can, you know, look at it and being prepared with bullets, being prepared with beans and being prepared with bandages is all important, but having a, a mental state of mind, and having the, the tough times will pass, but tough men, tough people stay, you know, continue. Um, this is going to be something that we're all going to be able to look at with hindsight and judge how we went into it mentally, right? And I know, and this is what I'm trying to get across. It can be frustrating, like everyone has mentioned, when you don't have ultimate control over a situation like we've got. But what Mike has done, he's started stuff. And it's frustrating that it isn't already working. You know, we want to go from zero to 100. We want to already have systems in place, right? But Mike started this stuff last year and it started. So this whole thing could have happened six years ago and we wouldn't have inroads. We wouldn't have the starts of stuff. So when it can look frustrating, let's not forget about the the, the stuff that's starting, the, the crystals that are still forming, right? Yeah. Okay, Santos, you wanted to bring something up. I'll quit interrupting you. Well, I was just, uh, and this is completely shifting gears now, but um, everybody on the panel, we've pretty well got a, a good cross-section from one end of the country to the other, and I'm just kind of curious, all across the land, um, has anybody seen an uptick in uh, the general realization that the Second Amendment protects the other freedoms that we have without it? Uh, those are easily taken away from us, especially with the uptick in new gun ownership and first-time gun buyers. I mean, what is everybody else seeing where, where you are 
Um, I haven't got a chance to talk to a whole lot of people around here lately, but where you are and some of you are dealing with, you know, new gun owners on a daily basis, um, are more and more people starting to get it, I guess, is my question. I'd like to take a swing at that here from up in Connecticut. Uh, what, what I think has happened when, when people decided that they needed to exercise their rights to go get firearms to protect themselves and their families, they were amazed to find out that they needed permits, that they needed training, that they needed licenses, and that they couldn't get them because the government closed access to the people who processed the permits as part of the crisis. And, and it was a very telling, uh, a very telling problem. So, so people are there trying to get, they're trying to buy guns. They can't get the phone call. People that already had permits couldn't get the phone calls through to Nick's because Nick's was overloaded or because they weren't in, in Connecticut. They don't actually use the federal system. They use their own system. And that system, they had told those people to go home because they weren't mission critical. Uh, so it be, it's becoming, I think it, it had become, and of course, you'll never see anything on the mainstream media about this, but I've seen a lot of stuff in my social media of people saying, wow, I had no idea that these gun laws that we let everybody pass and these regulations we let everybody enforce were going to have this kind of an impact to me when we're in a difficult kind of crisis situation. So Obviously, uh, you know, I, I think Kevin said it very well earlier. It's not time to say, ha, 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 I told you so. But this is something that, that you know, the next time I go to the legislative office building uh, uh, to try to talk about laws like this, I'm going to say, hey, remember the impact this had on our people when, when they were trying to protect themselves during the coronavirus problem, you know, that kind of thing. So, so yeah, I, I think this has uh, opened some eyes. A lot of people that were on the fence, uh, someone mentioned earlier, you know, a hardened, I hate guns. Well, maybe I need to get one now. They, they, I think it really opened a lot of eyes to the stuff that we in the Second Amendment community have been putting up with for quite a while. I think it creates a scenario or an environment where they can set the stage, right? When, when the gun prohibitionists suggest that gun owners are fearful of their government, they set some scenario where the government you know, is running in and taking our guns from us. And that somehow everything that we do to protect our rights is some fear of the government coming and taking it. And we need to have bigger and bigger guns against the government. This is showing us that our, you know, the biggest of governments couldn't protect everyone when there's a, something like this, a, a universal adversary against mammals or adversary against humanity, right? This isn't a situation that I think is normally addressed with the prohibitionists. So I think the fact that they're they're purchasing or the fact that they're purchasing and there's peace, I think we have, again, we have the best opportunity we've ever had in all of time, at least every, every as long as I've been aware and all the stuff I've researched, I can't imagine a better point in history where we can show to them that we're not fearful of the red coats. We're not fearful of the ATF, we're fearful of a time when the government doesn't have the resources to provide for everything. And there's countries like Mexico. I live an hour from Mexico. At what point do the cartels figure out there's nothing to stop them from raiding the stuff in the border towns? Like, you know, I guess getting into that might be a little bit too paranoid, but when the government doesn't have resources to protect everyone, there's some, some comfort in having the ability to, to 
Well, and you make a your good own. point, G. And, and mm. I guess to, to kind of build on that, how many municipal police departments around the country have already announced or maybe it wasn't a formal announcement, but how many police departments are already saying we're not going to respond to this theft or that crime or this nonviolent act right now? Um, so basically, if there's not already a bad person with a gun in your face, the cops aren't going to care because they're not going to risk exposure uh, right now either in a lot of places. And I'm not trying to come down on, on the cops. I back the blue. Uh, I get it. I don't want anybody else to get sick. But our point is that the police already aren't required by law to protect us. Now they're saying that in order to preserve themselves, they can do even less or they're willing to do even less than they had been. So again, it's kind of fallen back on us to, to uh, make sure that we all stay peaceful, right? With, within ourselves. So here, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, man. So here in the Northwest, I don't know if our lefties are different than they are in other areas because we have a, such a huge presence of Antifa and the Democratic Socialist Party and whatnot. So I have friends who are Marxist professors. They're not anti-gun. They're just anti-gun certain people owning them. And, I mean, they're they're saying why we're having this issue is because we're not a communist you know, country because our government is not able to take care of us like they think they should. And they're definitely anti-free speech and so I definitely I haven't seen much of a shift on people who believe those type of things because they weren't really anti-gun. They know they are they're going to need guns to start their revolution, and then once that their form of government's in place, that's when they'll want to take your guns away. That way, you can't then destroy that the revolution that they brought forth. I think the easier argument to make is the self-defense argument. Because, I mean, it, any of us could sit around and listen to somebody talking about the government coming in and raiding your house in the middle of the night. And most of us would be like, come on, really? Are you serious? But if you're talking about a bad guy out on the street doing bad things that you need to protect your kids, your wife, your husband or whatever it may be, that's an easier argument to make as to why. You shouldn't be infringing on the Second Amendment. Maybe maybe the Washington, D.C. is not coming after me today, but I live right outside Baltimore. So what's the chances of me just getting caught up in something or getting chosen to, to be robbed next or whatever it might be? So the self-defense argument, I think, is an easier argument to make. Yeah, I would suggest that you – it's a lot different than it must be in a city. I can't even imagine what, what's going through people's minds in the highly populated part of the country right now. I would just suggest, you know, the people that you, you find out are new gun owners, regardless if you think they're middle or, or you know, anti-gun, whatever, um, you know, keep track of those people and, you know, bring it up to them off and on, you know, say, hey, you know, next, the summer when things, you know, calm down or whatever, you know, Hey, I, I will take you out and we can go through and I can show you some other things or, you know, we can uh, possibly get your wife to come or, you know, whatever, but, but keep that contact and, you know, possibly try to schedule or at least, you know, keep it, keep it in mind for them to keep it in mind um, that, that you want to continue with it so that it doesn't just get thrown in a drawer and then they forget about it and then they go back to, 
they'll buy in their their jackets with the leather patches on their sleeves. Or yeah, voting against yeah, us, right? Like it's ours to, to lose if we if we ignore it. That, ignore that's it, right? part of it, you know. Once you get them in kind of that that motion of you know, hey, this isn't bad. I I kind of enjoy this. You know, that's when you know, not in the heat of this this craziness or whatever, but you know, when you have something scheduled that's that's kind of removed from this, you know, and you bring up, hey, you know, they are pushing for, uh, you know. X law or this or that or limits on this, you know, to, you know that that might be able uh, to kind of help out, you know, move them in a, a more pro direction, maybe. Can I? Can I, I? I just want to make a quick comment. It's a little off topic, but I just find it amazing that uh, the progressive left, whenever there's a crisis, that's the time that they double down, that's the time they get on you, that's the time they try to pass all this stuff. It's just amazing how the, the conservative side of it has the total opposite take on it. Hey, we're in the middle of a crisis. We need to hunker down. We need to help our neighbors. Let's not try to push our agenda at this time. Let's just try to get through this. And I just think it's just uh, I love the fact that 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 we're like this. That that it's not. Hey, here's a chance. Let's really stick it to them. You know that kind of thing. We. Uh, it just seems to me that people uh, the, uh, on the conservative. Yeah, I'll use that loosely. You know, the liberal side uh, and and the two A side have that that mindset. I just love the fact that we have that mindset. Staying with the same theme, I trust. Everybody here has heard about HR five seven one seven that Hank Johnson mm -hmm. wants to push through, and it's it's the biggest. It's all the anti-gun stuff rolled into one big, long, huge bill. And the I've only seen I'm going to say two, three people make videos about it. I saw um, Tim from the Military Channel. I saw Colian Noirs and Guns and Gadgets. Um, I haven't heard anyone else say anything about this, and it's it's all it's everything: magazine capacity restriction, uh, assault weapon bans. It's you know universal background checks. It's the whole kit and caboodle that they're trying to get through while everyone's concerned about not catching this virus. I would like to point out that there's more Republicans back in that than there are Democrats. Or if I'm looking at the same, hold on, what's the bill number? I think it's HR 5717. Yeah, that's it. I actually talked about that on my podcast this week uh, that I'm going to be releasing. And yeah, it is. It's a problem. And everybody's talking about this virus or everybody's talking about, you know, the flugaloo or flugaloo. But I'm like, look, this, this, nothing is stopping this. This is still rolling on and we have to shut it down. We have to get active. Um, in New Jersey, here's the problem was happening with people who are anti-gun here and trying to panic buy a firearm. It takes longer to do the paperwork. By the time their paperwork got in, they shut down the ability to do background checks. So now they're being denied this right. More than likely, nothing will happen. These people won't ever need a firearm, hopefully, and this is over quickly. And we go back to normal, and I feel those very same people that were in a panic, that were anti-gun, that, you know, were mom's demand and voted against our rights, are going to go, see, something horrible happened and we didn't need these anyway. I was just panicky. Thank goodness I couldn't buy a gun then, because who knows what would have happened. 
you know, because I'm 7 million times more likely to hurt somebody in my own house with a gun if I had one. I mean, that's what I'm seeing and I'm hoping against here. I hope some people wake up. I hope after this is over, the pro-gun side will be energized because we'll have a lot of new people that were formerly anti-gun and we can crush this on some level. That's what I'm hoping for. I would have liked to have seen... So, I want to make one correction. Sorry, I didn't realize there's five bills with that same number. So there's more than one yeah. HR five seven one seven. The the one that I'm talking about has a long uh, title. It's like you know the the it's comprehensive the yeah. yeah the comprehensive gun violence you know an act to regulate gun violence and feel good blah blah blah. So sorry about that. Yeah, this is all yeah, sponsored by eighteen that. Democrats. Okay, so a couple of things is I think that one of the reasons you're not seeing people address it could be, and I'm not speaking for anybody, I'm just assuming that everybody thinks it's a no-brainer, that there's, it's not, you know, they're never going to be able to pass something that, that infringing. I think that's one possibility. But I'm going to take this opportunity to do a bit of a plug. And the other frustration I have is that this is this this stress this time of stress is showing us that the system that we have right now um where people who are second amendment advocates at this point are either individuals like let's say john lott who writes books and and does speaking engagements i don't know if he gets paid for speaking engagements but basically he's he's self-sufficient uh you've got people i guess kd would fall into that like he doesn't have big corporate sponsorships or nothing uh, he's, he's boots on the ground. You've got Tony doing his thing. You've got a, a bunch of people doing their things as individuals. Then you've got, of course, the three-letter organizations out there, which have a giant increase in memberships, I assume, because of the issues with the NRA and the awareness that has gone on throughout 2019. Uh, and then you've got individuals who are efforting uh, as individuals who, um, well, like, this, like everybody, like just the same people I just mentioned. Um, and I think that if we rely on uh, the old systems to uh, fund or to create those uh, content creators, uh, we rely on things like YouTube or uh, Instagram uh, success uh, numbers and stuff, then you, I, you know, I've said this before, you, you end up having to follow recipes in order to gain uh, numbers on these platforms. And that is basically appealing to the greatest number of people. And that is not talking about Second Amendment stuff. It's not talking about advocacy. So we do have a couple of the larger players who are focused on advocacy. And once they've attained uh, some size and some momentum, uh, they're able and they're willing to cripple their growth rate by talking about Second Amendment occasionally. But by relying on those few individuals, we definitely lose reach because that only can reach people that are interested in talking to that. But um, I'd like to... Uh, effort, and this is a frustrating time to try to do this, but I'd like to be an advocate towards crowdfunding. Uh, the platforms like Patreon have shown us that individuals can venture capital. They can take their resources and fund projects that are valid, projects like Tony's. And when Tony had the uh, project last year with the giveaways and stuff to incentivize people to join, you know, that gives Tony more resources to do his stuff. Um, so I'd like to see uh, a result of all of this uh, content creation being funded by in, by 
uh, viewers and and to see the industry come along with something like a Patreon that's um, let's just say bulletproof, pun intended, uh, to some of the vulnerabilities that the other payment platforms have and the um, the crowdfunding platforms have, depending on if they are in the mood to hate guns or be gun prohibitionists or not. Um, so if the industry, which has a ton of money and it kind of throws it around willy-nilly sometimes, uh, I think we could easily focus on a way to have more solid Second Amendment advocacy uh, stronger. And then we would see focus on the important things at times of stress like this. Because I think what happens is stress happens. Everybody has to go into survival mode. And, you know, when, it, when we rely on a bunch of amateurs, a bunch of hobbyists to be our Second Amendment advocates, they don't have the, they don't have the resources to be advocates. There's very few of us that can pay attention to Second Amendment stuff through all this. If your job is at risk and your future is unknown, do you have the time? Is it smart for you to spend resources on Second Amendment advocacy? So that's that's probably a reason why we're not seeing a, a focus on 5717 because we don't not, we're not we're not running at full speed. And I think it might be unreasonable to suspect we would be in an unprecedented time of you know situation like this one. But again, you know, I'd like to see be able to go back in time with like a blink of genie or whatever and be a stronger community so that when this happens, not only we're leaders for those who are unprepared, but also completely resistant to something like a 5717 and able to tackle it at the same time as everything else. Yeah, I think that um, that's a that's a great point. Um, you know, I've, I've been going back and forth about about this for a long time when it comes to um, stretching out um, the roots of the Second Amendment and advocacy and freedom and things of that nature. Um, unfortunately, entertainment is more appealing than education. So it is, it's nothing against anybody who's great at even doing both. But entertaining, no matter what industry, genre, what you do is more uh, appealing than education. So a lot of individuals um, that are receiving this information just simply want to be entertained. They don't panic about the needed education until like a bill is about to get to a, a certain level. And then all of a sudden they want to go into this big panic. Um, for the grassroots organizations all over the country, um, and obviously talking heavily about Tony's and mine, um, I believe that people need, need to understand that outside of social media numbers, you know, uh, you can, and social media is powerful, don't get me wrong. Um, however, when you are really touching people, look, man, in a year alone with no social media, I flipped well over 500 uh, gun owners to program from anti to pro. And that's because of boots on the ground. That's because I'm a, I'm a, a local resource. It's because I don't mind getting on a plane, showing up, saying the things that haven't been said, presenting information in a way that hasn't been presented before, doing events that haven't been done before. Um, so when that support is lacking, it does make it harder for uh, grassroots that are, are getting, that are, are helping really push that new growth along with education, because that's very important, educated gun owners. Um, and the reasons why it becomes very, very challenging because, you know, you'll get and, and I'm not knocking this, but maybe there's a duality that can occur. You'll have people like, hey, I'm going to donate 25, 35 bucks, 50 bucks, 100 bucks to my favorite, you know, a uh, big org. And I'm like, cool. Like, man, I love what so and so is doing. What you're doing is so awesome. Cool. How much have you donated in the last two years to all of them? Well, none. Well, how do you expect those things to keep going? So. I think that if the two-way community wants to see it grow and really grow in a way that it needs to, you're right. You're going to have to get behind some of these grassroots organizations and, and really 
fund them and push them. And then the cool thing about grassroots is you can see what they do every single day with the funds they're receiving. There's nowhere to run it. There's nowhere to hide. There are, there are no you know, departments to hide behind and say, hey, we're waiting on finance to approve this thing. There's nobody to hide. You can actually keep them responsible for uh, what they're doing. So I agree. And I think that's where you got the potential. I have a lot of fun, you know, playing across uh, the internet with my 30 bucks a month on Patreon. And, you know, I give a buck here, or give a buck there. And if somebody stops doing something, mm -hmm. you throw the buck to somebody else. Yeah, the people get a little more And fun uh, something else. The whole thing. I need, I need individuals to support what we do. Uh, Yankee Marshall stepped in and helped us uh, a lot, and that brought a lot of people to us, and it eased up. It allowed me to go to Vegas to speak in front of the industry there at SHOT Show because people supported what we did. Um, it helped me buy ammo. It took stress off of me for the latest diversity shoot we had that I didn't worry about how many people came to the, through the door because I knew I could feed them. I knew they could shoot as many rounds as they wanted to shoot. And I would be able to replenish that because truthfully, the industry itself is not supporting individual grassroots organizations like they should. Kevin was in the room with me. You were G-Webs. This was the industry event that we had that I spoke at as a panelist. And, and the room was not full of industry people. That's, that's where it should have been packed. That's where people should have been reaching out. But right now, the industry was in the Trump slump. All of a sudden, they were looking for people to spend money. They were looking for customers, and they wanted to talk to advocates to find out how they could reach more people. Well, right now, there's panic buying going on, and these guys are flush. They have money coming in, people tossing money at them. So do you think they're going to be reaching out to us again until this is over with? Exactly. No, they're not. So what I need is individuals that really believe in the Second Amendment, Second Amendment advocacy on this level to actually help us out. Because uh, when this... Go ahead, go ahead. Oh, did he get cut off? I think he got kicked out. Yeah, um, that, that's an awesome point. And I should have said thanks while Mike and, uh, well, Casey was up on the panel, but thanks to all y'all for doing that. Um, they're talking about a panel that Maj set up at SHOT Show on Tuesday, and it was an opportunity for 18 people to get up on the stage who have ultimate knowledge and awareness of what's going on um, in Second Amendment and to let gun shops take the, the seats in the audience and ask questions about how to expand reach and how to, to bring people into their shops. And yeah, it was, uh, Tony, you brought up, an, I don't know if you're still here or not, but that was an excellent point. And that's, again, where I'm super frustrated because I'm thinking about that. The gun shops now are, are not, they're flush, right? They're, they've sold everything they can sell. And right now there's bottlenecks of paperwork, which we can hopefully use to our advantage in the future. But as far as money goes, they've sold a lot of their inventory. Again, in perfect world, if we would have had a system in place, let's say a gun-friendly Patreon, I don't know what to call it. Let's call it Guntreon for now. You know, if we would have had a gun-friendly uh, thing like that, and they could have gone over to that with some of their extra funds right now, and because it, it gets frustrating. How many times can you give 30 bucks to the GOA? How many times can you give 30 bucks to FPC? Both valid national level organizations, but there's much more to be done. And having a, a fund funding system in place would have been awesome when the shops are flush like this and they have very they can't go buy guns with it right now. What are they going to advertise? So it'd been great to have some you know, some kind of uh, infrastructure in place, but we can look at right. and I, I would be remiss. Right. 
Um, um, I'm sorry, I didn't cut you off, but since you brought up uh, FPC as one of them, there is also. No, I'm sorry, I'll cut you off. Just never, never worry about cutting me off. Always. <laughs> FPC. I want. I want to give them a special kudos. So uh, when I, when all of us hop off, and when people hop off the chat, you, you just Google the Truth Firearms, and you, you'll know what I'm talking about. But I release a signature series of guns called the Truth. They do um, way more. Hey, beautiful. Way more than just guns. Um, these things are. Or I would say one of the most powerful tools ever when it comes to this kind of conversation about freedom and FPC actually in order to support, you know, they did one thing. Uh, they helped me take I took roughly I believe the final count was 48 or 49 uh, inner city children to go see the civil rights movie Harriet and also take them afterwards and let other community leaders talk and engage with them and educate them on freedom and you know, education and the whole nine yards. It was a beautiful, beautiful day that they helped with that. So to walk to talk American uh, Rob Pincus. And then they also bought four of those guns as giveaways. So a big shout out to the organizations that are realizing that they have to be in touch and have relationships. Um, I don't say have to, but they're, they're at least willing to reach out and have relationships to help spread the word and grow. Because eventually there's going to be a change of the guard on all levels. Right. And if we aren't taking advantage of the resources we have now on, on the ground level to help spread education and awareness, and I mean this and I mean this wholeheartedly, the old white dude can't do that no more. It is what it is. Like, he's not going to have the same reach. That worked for a few decades, and now it's time for that to change. Um, so we need different, diverse voices out there, different ways of approaching a thing, too. Like, you can look different, but if you're saying the same damn thing, eventually that's going to get stale, too. So different ways of approaching, different ways of, of reaching out and getting to people. And if we keep relying on the, the antiquated system of Mona Lake 1776, although you might be right, you're not going to win. And that's why I ask people, like, do you are you more concerned with being right or do you want to win? Because if you want to just be right, man, you can keep yelling Mona Lake 1776, um, you know, cold, dead hands and all those things. And you're right. You're absolutely a thousand percent right. And you're still going to lose. You're still going to lose because we aren't diversifying the efforts enough. Um, so, yeah, that's another reason why these why the grassroots organizations need support, because we're able to reach out, especially the faces that look different than what people think a gun owner is. You're able to reach out and touch people. I can walk into a neighborhood right now where there are literally and I mean that 150 people standing on one block and engage them in a conversation about freedom and firearms where the 50 year old white dude can have all the great intent in the world. But he cannot walk on that same street and have that same conversation. Why? Because of the stereotype that comes along with it. All right. So. It is um, it is imperative that we are supporting different organizations to do different things. You know, no different thing going to war. We said when we go to war, when this country goes to war, we just don't send the army. You know, we send everybody we need to send. And then even those branches have different people that do different jobs. For so long, the Second Amendment has just been one single sledgehammer and not realizing that we have many more tools at our disposal. We have many more tools to go out and win this fight, but we refuse to tap into them. And the biggest thing of all is we refuse to support them, especially when it comes to funds and finances. People need to pay attention to what's going on, period. Uh, we talked about Hank Johnson earlier. If people paid attention, the day that he said that Guam would tip over if you put too many Marines on one side, he'd have been removed from office. But people don't pay attention to that kind of stuff. A lot of these politicians get away with not being very credible leaders, and they keep getting elected because it's easier just to check a box than it is to take five minutes to reach the candidates. Well, again, that, that's true. But what we can work on, what we can look at as positive stuff is that 
nothing can change. There can't be a change in a paradigm until there's something to shift to. So I want to take a second and say thanks to Kevin. Thanks to Tony. Uh, thanks to Charlie. He's got an excellent project he's doing. Uh, Faster Saves Lives, Kids Safe, DC Project. I could go on and on. There's projects out there that are doing stuff like, like Katie just said. You can't say it any better. Um, the world is changing and, and, and the way that we're going to be going is with all different kinds of projects. Um, again, we're, we're talking, you know, it's without looking at the past and being frustrated, we can't move forward without the pieces in place. You guys are the pieces in place. Now the industry is going to see that, or hopefully we'll move the industry towards realizing that it is possible to fund y'all. And again, I was thinking about this last year a little bit, like adopt an advocate type of project for shops or something. Um, there's there's networks out there for gun shops to distribute used firearms amongst themselves. There's networks for gun shops to uh, do all kinds of things uh, through their distributors and stuff. Um, now that the people are aware that there's a use and a need for individual activists and projects of all different types, again, like the DC project, mm -hmm. I mean, give me a break. Talk about cutting new ground. How many people are even unaware of that? And if maybe there's some kind of a fund, our friend Artisan Tony created the 2A fund. He was part of the 2A patch patch last year. Uh, that was the concept to just accumulate a bunch of funds and donate them to 2A organizations each month. If there was something like that on an industry scale, a large um, manufacturer, distributor takes on a fund and then you know people get grants from that fund to do things. Um, it's, you know, those infrastructures take place once there's places to give those funds to that have shown that they're relevant, useful and, and ambitious. And that's what we've got now. So it's, it's frustrating to not, you know, to not have all this stuff in place when it's stressful like this. But I'm hoping that by knowing that we've got the potential for it and that we're on our way towards a better situation. Right. We've, we've got. Can I say too? um and I, I'm guessing I probably speak for a lot of people, not just myself, but I'm very thankful that uh, that the industry is kind of changing and that there are folks like Kevin and like Tony who, I know you can't see me right now because my camera's off, but you and I don't look the same, fellas. And I'm from rural Nebraska. I'm not from a, a big <laughs> urban area. But the, the fact of the matter is that you're right. And I'm not a 50-year-old white guy. I'm a 40-year-old white guy. I can't go to that street. I can't have that conversation, and I get that. But what's cool is the fact that as a 40-year-old white guy, when you two talk, I'm still going to listen because you guys have proven that you actually know what you're talking about. And <clears throat> contrary to what a lot of people might think, uh, I don't think America is quite as racially divided as the news makes it out to seem. And I don't have a problem with anybody. I don't care what your skin looks like, what gender you are. Uh, if you're actually saying things that make sense to me and, uh, you know, you're, you're backing it up with skills at a range and I can see that you know what you're doing, I want to learn from you because I don't know nearly as much as I want to and I don't care who I learn from. And I think most of the people that look like me kind of feel the same way. So I'm thankful that there are folks that can go out and reach out to bring more people into the fold and at the same time, you guys don't only reach the people that are on that street with 150 people standing on it. You guys have a reach that you might not even know about out here in the middle of nowhere in Nebraska. Just just so you guys know that. Keep up the good work, guys. I oh, greatly appreciate that. And I, that is, um, 
That is uh, one one thing that uh, I can definitely, I agree with everything you said and appreciate the kind words, but the America is not as divided as people believe or the news will have you think. That is a thousand percent accurate. And that's one of the beautiful things when you can actually get out and start educating people on freedom. And when they see other individuals that you're like, man, I was really taught to dislike them. But you know what? They at least believe in the fact that I have a right to be free. And I always told people, like, your enemy doesn't want to arm you. <laughs> your enemy does not want to see you with arms. That's the last thing they want. Arms and education, they don't want you to have. So anybody that's promoting you having arms and education is obviously not your enemy. And that goes a long way. Um, and the, the, another way that we've been successful, I know I have, to reaching out to people is I don't talk politics. I don't. Um, so I don't, I don't care when it comes to freedom. I'll tell people all the time, like, you know, one of the biggest bills we talk about in the history of the country that was a cynical bill. It's a 1994 crime bill. Look at what, everything that that thing did. It was horrible. Right. But people uh, are remiss to they're like, oh, well, the, the Democrats did this and the Democrats. And look, they, they assault ban for 10 years and they lock blacks up and they, they, you know, three strikes, more law enforcement, more prison terms. Yeah. All those things are facts. What about the 49 Republicans that supported it and said the only way that we're going to support this bill is if you take the 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 welfare systems or the support systems, if you will, away from the mothers that you realize that we're about to make single mothers with no income. You do that. So they took two thirds of the bill away. And then all of a sudden, here you are with the 1994 crime bill with 49 Republicans in support. So we have to be open and honest with people and say, when it really comes down to your freedom, you can't trust the government. I don't care what color they way. I treat the government just like I treat gangs. Same way. Same way. Both of them are going to make great proposals uh, to you. I even hate that we have a two party system, but both of them make great proposals to you at the end of the day. Your neighbor, that bus driver, the, 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 the person serving you your food at Wendy's or Chick-fil-A, that is the individual that you need to rely on. That is we the people. It is, it is not them the government over we the people. It's we the people over them the government. And the moment that we start realizing that your allies out there look different, have different career fields, but we can come together and say, this is not about political differences. This is not about your skin tone. This is about you being free. This is about you understanding what freedom is in this country and why this country is so great. And if you don't think it's that great, look at the potential it has to be even greater than your mind can conceive is when we, the people, realize our power and we stop relying on any organization or any governmental system to tell us that. Once we tap into that, then we'll realize just how powerful and wonderful this country can be. Amen. Appropriate pause. Is there? Yep. I'm going to let it go with that. I'm going to, that's, that's well said. And I think that's succinct that grant that kind of, uh, I'm sure speaks for all of us. So we're close to the top of the hour and Tony is starting his podcast right after this. I already corked ghost and night strike. I think so. Uh, ran this chat right on top of a couple of other chats. Uh, I had to choose some time, so I chose Tuesday just because it was a, day, a couple of days out from when I was sending out emails to people. So I do appreciate uh, Cheryl, Tony, um, whoever else might have jumped in and it jumped out. And I'll give everybody a chance here to, to plug their projects and say whatever else they might want to say. We've had a whenever there's a large conversation like this, I'm sure there's lots of points that had to get kind of paused. So feel free to bring up any other points. I'm not going to end it right at the top of the hour if we want to talk a little bit longer. But again, thanks for everybody for showing up uh, for this effort to talk about something that's hopefully useful, but a bit of a distraction from the, the 
the norm and uh, kind of preparing for, as Second Amendment advocates, preparing for the after. I will be doing another one of these chats on Thursday, same time, and I'll invite the same group of people, anyone's interested to show up. Um, again, Cheryl Todd was here from AZ Firearms, from Gun Freedom Radio. Um, Tony was here from 2A for E. Uh, he's going to do the, what's it called? I forget the name of his podcast. Everybody's calling him Guns and Gears. Um, Gun and Gear Review Podcast at 9 p.m. Uh, Cycle Camp, thanks for joining us. Want to plug anything on the way out? I don't want to plug anything, but I do want to say, hey, call your friends. Call your family. See if they need anything. Don't get sucked into panic conversations. Just keep it real. And and use a, like a one-week planning window. Say, hey, are you okay for the next week? Is there anything that's really concerning you about the next seven days? And if there is, how can I help you? Because the way you, you reduce stress is you break things into manageable chunks and you deal with them. And that's, I think that's the way to do it. So if it's, if it's, I don't know how I'm going to do this a month from now, it's like, no, okay, let's work on this next week. And then when you're good for this week, we can start planning for the next week. And then we can plan for the week after that. And, and I, I think that will help people because people get stressed. Like you, like was mentioned earlier, when there's no end in sight and they just don't know what's going to happen. And so in order to solve that problem, you have to set, reachable goals, you know, near-term goals that you can work towards and start to feel empowered about your own life again. And, and I think that'll help us get through this a lot better. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. KD, again, man of many hats. Awesome points tonight. Oh, man, no. Uh, first, I, okay. I totally agree with the, the gentleman before me. That was, those were sound words and sound advice. Um, and just to piggyback off of that, um, just make sure you're not, uh, whether it's directly or indirectly, make sure that you as an individual are being responsible and not spreading panic and fear. Uh, if you're going to share information with someone, please uh, take that seriously and make sure you have vetted and confirmed whatever information you're going to share out. And when you reach out to people, um, don't be the person that's always calling to deliver more uh, challenging news. I totally agree with how can I be a resource? How can I be an asset? How can I help you? Uh, that, that is sound advice. And the other thing I will add to that is for the leaders in the household, whether you're a man or a woman, doesn't matter. Uh, remember, you have to do small things throughout the day um, to make sure that you're okay. Because the moment that you panic and lose control is giving everybody else under your control uh, permission to do the same thing. And once you lose control, you might not get it back. So make sure that you are you know, keeping your mind fresh, not absorbing too much negative uh, unverified information and things like that. And just, uh, you know, being a few days out, make sure you, you have the foresight because everybody else is relying upon you. So take that pretty serious. Um, other than that, you know, I look forward to uh, engaging. I am doing, if anybody wants to follow me on uh, Instagram in particular, uh, that's at the real underscore NOC for no other choice at the real underscore NOC. It's also the same for all the other social media platforms, but on Instagram, uh, throughout this week, uh, roughly every evening around six or seven, somewhere up in that time frame, I'm going to be doing live videos, just giving out free tips and tricks to things that you can have in your home, um, things that you might throw away in your home that you don't realize is a resource like dryer lint. That's a great fire starter, right? So giving some of those tips away, we're talking uh, uh, novice gun advice, uh, and I'm just opening it up. I'm inviting people to come on my live with me that have questions. We can answer those questions, um, you know, um, 
in a, in a nice, honest manner and address things that people have. So I'll be doing that all week and probably all through the weekend. I'm just going to keep doing that day to day. So please come over and join the conversation so we can get some of this information out to people. And if you want to support any of the, the, the efforts uh, financially, uh, we're on Patreon at forward slash NOC firearms. And we're also at GoFundMe forward slash aiming for the truth. But I will appreciate your support in any way you can, um, you can bring it, even if it's just sharing a couple of posts. Thank you guys very much. Right on. And before I move on, I know it's a little while out, but is the uh, second annual Train and Learn still on for the dates or are you? Oh, yeah. Man. You know what? Thanks for that. You know, and I'm sitting here talking to a bunch of industry people. And I didn't even bring that up. Um, you know, so Train and Learn is basically uh, uh, elevator speech. It's the um, it's an event that I put on. This is the second annual. It's basically professional development for the 2A industry. Um, so it's uh, a way for us to come together. I'm bringing speakers from all around the country. Um, this year we got Cheryl Todd, Tony Simon, who was on here. Um, we have um, uh, Sean Heron from We Like Shooting. We have marketing director from Faxon. We have a multitude of speakers that are coming in, giving um, uh, seminars of information and education. We are also bringing in um, trainers, hand-in-hand trainers. Uh, one of my instructors from No Other Choices coming in. We have uh, Jason Johnson, Pro Knife Thrower, teaching uh, Blades. We got Rob Pincus, Ursula 308, and uh, Dustin Plouffe and Ken Scott. I'll teach you things about firearms and myself as well. So it's just a way for us to come together for three days. That is May 22nd through the 24th, uh, Memorial Day weekend. We have not changed it so far. Um, I don't. Uh, hopefully we don't have to, uh, but that is going to be right, out Saint, right outside St. Louis, Missouri. So it's three days of training that includes two meals, tons of content, education, firearms, the whole deal for 250 bucks for three days of that. So if you're in the industry, the only um, – Qualification is that you have to be into the realm of freedom somehow. Advocate, activist, uh, gun club, FFL, uh, manufacturer, hoster maker, um, podcaster, just something to say that you're in the you're in the business of freedom. And we would love to have you out and see how we can all um, sharpen each other up to be better at what we do. Right on. And I'm going to ask people if you're doing any kind of effort to let people know about when things are coming. Be sure to put the no other choice event in your calendar. So that as all these other things start getting shifted, people are aware. Enough yeah, and we have 30, 30 spots left. Well, I'm sorry, 40. We upped it by 10. So we have 40 spots left. 30 of them went uh, pretty quick. And if you're looking for the, the information to the Train and Learn event where you can read even more about it, A, you can just hashtag Train and Learn, and you'll see all the videos from last year. Um, last year, I wanted roughly around 300,000 uh, hits, but we reached millions. Uh, so it was really, really successful. Uh, but if you want information on it, just go to my Instagram at the real NLC and it's the link in my bio and you can read all about it and sign up and register right there as well. And thanks again. Uh, Kingpin, as we head out, want to throw anything out there? Uh, love a good conversation. I appreciate everybody from the chat room and everybody from the panel. Thanks for hosting, G, and I appreciate the invite. You bet. And thanks for kind of helping me out behind the scenes here, making sure I got everything clicked. I haven't used the chamber live in a while. So uh, thanks for all the help there. Patriot, you're next up. Thanks for jumping in from Michigan. Yeah, just, on the just way thanks out? for having me. I do appreciate it being in uh, the room of giants here. Um, but I'm just Patriot in the dark, the blind guy. So you can check me out. And stay yeah. positive. And the, the only other thing is, is to uh, keep a schedule. Everybody is kind of chaotic right now. You know, the, the be positive, call people, that kind of thing. But keep a schedule. 
If you have a kid, make sure they're doing homework, they're doing studies, they're learning something, they're reading history books, etc. So most important is the schedule, though. That's interesting. Well, I like to say I'm no expert on this. I knew I was going to have people in who are subject matter experts, but I didn't want to leave them all hanging. It was not like I have a super uh, scripted chat or anything, but I did watch some videos earlier, and that's one of the things they recommended was you know, like getting up and getting ready for work like you would normally, let's say, or just get ready for the day instead of just sitting around in your pajamas and you just have that mental mindset or whatever of getting something done. Yeah, like I, I try to have the kid do their, their homework before noon and then, you know, set up extra things afterwards. It helps out. Don't let them stay up on that. Furnace, thanks for jumping <laughs> in. Yeah, in. you're more than welcome. You know, um, I think the only thing I would add, because everybody kind of covered most of the topics, is, you know, diversify who you follow and try to follow actual experts on these subjects why I haven't got all freaked out about what's going on. Cause I, I actually follow the scientists who work on these type of diseases and come up with the plans on how to, you know, save you know, countries from going into tomorrow. And so I'm not really, I'm not in the fear that a lot of other people are. Cause you know, I actually listen to the experts in the fields. That's a good point. I'm, you know, I like to think I'm watching this whole thing from a bird's eye perspective that, you know, the the world is learning how to deal with social platforms. We're learning how to communicate at a different level. So when someone watches an expert and then someone cherry picks some data to, to verify their perspective on it, and then that gets, you know, telegraphed three times over, that's where you get this paranoia. It's just, a, we're going to have to get accustomed to this, right? Same way the first TV shows or the first radio shows, they had the scare with, War of the Worlds, right? It took a minute before people figured out, oh, you know, we don't, you know, there's 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 more nuance to this. You know, we're figuring out the nuance, and this is fast forward mode, maybe, or, or you know, enhanced mode or something. Sandhills, you've got a, a podcast starting in about a minute. Yeah, here. we do it every Tuesday at nine o'clock Central Time. Um, call it Get Off My Lawn Podcast, and uh, we kind of talk about two A things or other things as as. Uh, whatever we feel like really not just guns a lot of fun stuff but i try to make people think tonight is just a discussion on uh, it doesn't matter if you're looking to buy your first gun or you've got a collection but you're thinking maybe you'll get one more you know just just in case right now what's the what's the best thing to buy next that's what we'll talk about tonight so catch us on uh, on youtube live nine o'clock central time thanks for the invite this has been a cool uh cool discussion g Right on. Yeah, it's great to have a chance to chat with you again. Thanks for jumping in. And, and again, you're welcome to jump in on Thursday if you're able again. That brings us to Charlie, but I'm going to take a break and go. I forgot about Mike. Mike was in here, too. So I threw the link up to Mike Sedini and Walk the Talk America. Uh, if you haven't, checked that out. Uh, he's done all kinds of interviews out there. Go just type in Mike Sedini. Got the spelling in there. Uh, do a search on YouTube. Check out Charlie's video for sure. But uh, Mike is cutting ground in a whole different way. But uh, Charlie, uh, thanks again for jumping in. It's good to chat with you again. Thank um, you. And all you guys, feel free to stay. When we, you know when we close, we'll still be in here. But Charlie, take us out. 
Yeah, thank you very much. It's it's great to uh, it's great to see all these friends and hear from all of them and hear what they're up to and the things that they're doing and the things that they're facing. Uh, the gentleman from Connecticut, you know, I liked how he said to think a week ahead and say, okay, well, in a week, check on people. It's it really is slicing the elephant. I mean, I don't know, you know, none of us know how long this is going to last, but we've got enough food to to get us through. We've got enough toilet paper to get us through. Everything's going to be fine for the next week and for the next week after that and the next week after that. And then, you know, we'll, we'll see what the future brings. And if we have to learn uh, learn new systems to make everything happen and to keep ourselves afloat, then we're going to do that. It's We're, 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 we're people that persevere and, and everyone's going to do it. So uh, it's great to be on. It's great to see everyone. Thank you very much. Yeah, you got an opportunity for new systems. I mean, something as simple, I keep saying in the chats, like what it would have cost to get two Tomahawk missiles. We could have had so many masks this and, and ventilators or whatever the specific medical items are. You know, we could have prevented a lot of this panic, right? With two Tomahawk missiles worth of prevention. And I keep saying, and we're talking to all gun people here, the Centers for Disease Control, they keep talking about a gun <laughs> epidemic. What is their real job over there? Again, when it's appropriate with hindsight to go back and look at this, what has the CDC been paying attention to and where did they drop the ball? And again, who cares what president was in charge of them? They all dropped the ball. But uh, Charlie, what, where's the where's the uh, stagecoach going? I know that uh, it's been, probably got a wrench thrown into it, but what was the plan? Uh, you know, um, thanks for asking. I actually have a few interviews that I have to edit. I only put out shows twice a month on the second and fourth Tuesdays. Uh, so I've got about a month and a half worth of material that I need to edit and, and put out. But um, I'm honestly uh, hoping to take the stagecoach across America and get to all these cool events uh, in July and August this summer. So this is, this is I have to get out of my shell. Talking about learning new skills, I have to get out of my way and get over my fear of rejection and start to ask people for, for financial help and backing and um, to be on more shows to, to, so more people can learn about this. And like I said, I'm trying to, take, trying to take the show across the country, trying to take the stagecoach across America. Right on. Well, there must be some opportunity for some kind of a green screen virtual ride. If, if it needs to get to that, so you can always go into that. But when I look at that concept I've been throwing around of sponsor a two, like for stores to sponsor a 2A advocate or for 2A advocates to sponsor a store, once that gets out there, I mean, what better uh, ambassador to that concept than the stagecoach? Having a gun shop, having a couple of gun shops. I've, go to, I've gone to cities and visited 16 gun shops. You get three gun shops to sponsor the stagecoach to come out talk to the advocates and the politicians or whoever is important in that area, visit the shops and talk about a symbiotic relationship there. I think that would be awesome. I'd love to make that happen. Yeah, we'll keep talking about stuff like that. So again, thanks everybody for joining us. The people that aren't here anymore, thanks to them as well. Thanks everybody for being part of the conversation. This isn't the television. You're not getting programmed. You're part of this. You got a keyboard, you got a thumb be part of it. Uh, I've dropped links to everybody who's been in the show in the description of this video, wherever you happen to find it, maybe on guntube.org, the software that's running this show, or over on gunstreamer.com, two platforms that are Second Amendment advocates that care about the Second Amendment. Um, thanks, everybody, for showing Thank up, you guys. and we'll be back to pick you up later. Thank you. Good night, everybody.